0: You can be turning to Hebrews chapter 10. In a minute, we'll be reading there. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking this morning at the only pleasing sacrifice. Before we read, let me give you just a little bit of review. I want to remind you that the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who were suffering. And because of their suffering and persecution, they were tempted to return to old covenant ways, going back to the sacrifices and the festivals and the feasts. They were wanting to go back to those Old Testament ways to find relief from their suffering because they weren't bothered so much when they were just doing their Jewish things. But now, as Christians, they were being persecuted And so they were tempted to go back. The book of Hebrews was written... uh, The book of Hebrews was a sermon written to show them that the old covenant was not effective and was only a shadow that pointed forward to the real work done by Jesus Christ. The writers trying to attempt to show them going back is such an awful mistake. Broadly, we could say... That Hebrews chapters 1 through 7 have told us who Christ is. And that Hebrews 8 and 9 have told us what Christ has done. What we look at today is a culmination of what the writer of the book of Hebrews has been sharing about the work of Christ. Our passage this morning will summarize and share with us how Christ is the perfect sacrifice. We've talked about all kinds of offices and actions. Now we're going to talk about how he himself was the perfect sacrifice. We're going to read now from Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read the first 18 verses. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they have, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices... There is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for what it points out to us about Jesus. And I pray that you would be with us. Help us to see the wonder of it. Help us to see who we have. Help us to see what we have. Help us to see what you had that pleased you. And I pray that you would be with us. Help us by your spirit to understand your word. And Lord, help us to apply it. Lord, amongst many things... May one of the first things that, ways that you apply it is that we are filled with awe and wonder and worship and that we would be true to you. Not depending on our trueness, but depending on the trueness of Christ. True to you out of love and service. I pray that you would be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this message the only pleasing sacrifice. I've mentioned that we've talked about how Hebrews points in so many different action, directions. The place of, of the real offering, the, the high priest of the real offering, um, the access of the real offerer, the wonder of this high priest, and so many different things uh, this book is pointed out. But as we come to the culmination of it, because from this the end of where we will look at today on, He's going to make many applications based on the wonder of who this, our sacrifice, is. But as we come to this, he comes to the last point, the culminating. He's going to take things from all the things that he's talked about and he's going to share from passage from the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 40, and he's going to reveal to us how this sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ, is the absolute only pleasing sacrifice. Before gone, so um, to try to make this make sense, I've told you before, uh, those who've heard me speak on Hebrews, that in my mind this is a sermon that just runs, and, and he often doesn't seem to stop and say, "Let me collect my thoughts and put this in an organized structure." He just seems to have so much that he just keeps running and running and running. And so I'm going to I'm going to ask four questions today that I think this passage answers and help us and use those questions to help us see why Jesus is the only pleasing sacrifice. As I do that, I'll be basically covering, first of all, the first four verses with the first question, and um, uh, break the rest of it up as we go through uh, section by section with each of these questions. So the first question I want to ask this morning is, Why were the sacrifices of the Old Covenant not pleasing to God? Why were they not pleasing to God? I mean, after all, God, didn't He institute them? Didn't He say, this is the way I want you to do this? Didn't He say, I want you to bring this offering here and that offering there, and I want you to do this on that day, and I I want all these done, and I want you to remember to do them, and it's part of what you are to do as my covenant Old Testament people. Then, then why weren't they pleasing to God? Why weren't they enough? And so the writer of the book of Hebrews, in this first section, answers that with many different statements. First of all, the sacrifices of the law were only a shadow of the things to come. As you graze over, or glaze or skim, skim's a better word, skim over the passage, that the section that we're looking at, you're going to see that he mentions that they were only a shadow of the things to come. Since they were only shadows, the shadows didn't make people perfect or acceptable to God. He goes on to mention that the Old Testament sacrifices weren't pleasing because they were not the realities of what really needed to be done. It's not that God God made a mistake in putting them there. He put them there on purpose. They were good things. But they were not the realities. They only pointed to the realities. And if you think with me in remembering some of your Old Testament readings or some of the things that we've preached about in the past, you think about some of the some of the offerings that were uh instituted by God, there was the offering where two goats were brought. And the high priest was lay his hand on the head of the the one goat and confess all the sins and slit that goat's throat and splash its blood on the altar and burn it on the altar and sacrifice for sins. and <coughs> Sorry. He would lay his hand on the head of the other goat and confess sins again and then a, an able man would take that goat off into the wilderness and, and, and release it so that it would be lost and it would go away and would never be seen again and it would be a picture of our sins being carried away. That scapegoat did not really carry away the sins of the people. They did it one year. And then the next year, the whole process was done again. Two goats were brought. Hands on both goats. Confession on both goats. One goat's throat slipped. The blood is splashed and, and he's burnt. The other goat is let out into the wilderness. Lost to show that our sins were taken away. But it didn't really take away our sin. The sin offering, the other offerings, the burnt offerings—all of these animals were brought, and God said, "This is what you are to do." And and that offering was brought, the sin offerings brought, and it, its throat was slit, and it was uh, blood was splashed, and it was burnt, and it was for our sins. And yet, that sin, or that offering, rather, did not take away our sin. Those offerings only pointed to the one who would carry our way our sin. The one who would give himself in sacrifice for our sins. These offerings, God was not pleased with because they only pointed to the reality. He also was not pleased with them because the sacrifice of the law could only deal with outward cleansing. They didn't deal with the real consciousness of sin. Every year or even when people sinned, uh, they would sin, and they 'd bring an offering, and that goat would be slain for them, and that goat would be burnt for them, and the blood of the goats uh, the goat 's blood would be sprinkled for that person, and he would walk away, and he would have no sense of forgiveness because an animal 's blood can 't take away sin, God never intended it for it, to do that, and so god wasn 't pleased with that goat with that offering. He was pleased that people brought it, but he wasn't pleased with that because it really didn't do anything but make them ceremonially clean. They could continue in the system as they looked for the one who would come. It pointed. The fact that the sacrifices of the law had to be reoffered every year was only a reminder of sins every year. The great high day of atonement would come around and all the offerings and all the the uh ceremonies that would have to be done would be done and the high priest would enter into the into the holy place and splash the blood and that was to say our sins were were, were atoned for, they were covered. But three hundred and sixty five days later, he would be back there again. Why? Because sins weren't really dealt with. It pointed forward to a day when the true high priest would take the true offering into the true holy place and offer that true sacrifice before the only God and sins would truly be dealt with. And so this old covenant thing, God was not pleased with it. This text goes on to say that, the, uh, it, that it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's pointing to the fact that bulls and goats had no righteousness to offer for our sins. (laughs) If you lived and worked around goats and bulls, you'd say they're evil. Not all of them. But they don't have a righteousness that could stand in for me. They're only animals. They had no righteousness to offer for our sins. They were not of sufficient value to take away our sins. They were just a pointer. The old covenant sacrifices, I'm thinking of the animals themselves, the old covenant sacrifices did not come to do God's will. No goat walked into the temple willingly and said, I'm here to die for someone every goat, every bull, every sacrifice was brought to the temple was brought there by someone. And if you've dealt with animals, I'm sure sometimes it was a battle. None of them came willingly. None of them died willingly. Now many of them died unknowingly. None of them died willingly. None of them chose to die in obedience to God's will. No bull said, I'm getting up this morning and I'm going to temple because God wants a a bull to die in the temple and I want to be that bull. These sacrifices, God was not pleased with. As I mentioned, God put them there. They were right and they were good. Because they showed us the extent or, or some of the, the different shades of meaning of what it would take for a true... What, what would a true sacrifice be? And that's what these sacrifices did. They pointed to that. So we asked, why were the sacrifices of the old covenant not pleasing to God? As we go on in our text in this section starting with verse 5, we're going to answer the question, why was the sacrifice of Christ in the new covenant pleasing to God? And it's evident, as the writer of Hebrews qu- quotes from Psalm 40, now if you were to take your Bible, we don't have time, but if you were to take your Bible and go back to Psalm 40, in your Bible, in the Old Testament, you would not read this phrase just like it is here. You would read something something along the lines. Uh, um, how does it go? Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but my ear you have opened. That's that's uh, us trying to interpret the Hebrew. The writer of Hebrews takes the Septuagint when they translated the Greek, or I'm sorry, the Hebrew into Greek. Years and years and years ago, they translated it like the writer of the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, took that phrase and put it in here because he saw how it had connection to what Christ truly had done. I'm sorry. So, why was the sacrifice of Christ in the New Covenant pleasing to God? Because as Christ quotes from the Old Testament, as the writer of Hebrews, shows him to be, acting on the quote of the Old Testament. The Son of God says sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared me. Why was God pleased with the New Testament sacrifice? Because the Son of God took on a body to be that sacrifice. God was pleased with the New Covenant sacrifice because The Son of God took on a body. He had no pleasure in sacrifices that were by the law. And so he instituted the new covenant sacrifices. Um, I've already said some of this, so I'm skipping ahead in my notes. I'll just say this. God instituted the old covenant sacrifices. They're always meant to point to Christ. But let me share some things. They showed that we needed someone to take God's wrath for us. God instituted those sacrifices that we, because we needed to see that God needed someone to take his wrath for us. They are also instituted to show that we need someone to pay for our sins. He instituted, instituted those Old Testament sacrifices to show that we needed a righteousness that was not our own. We needed a righteousness from someplace else. And so God instituted the Old Covenant sacrifices to point to all these. And so from the foundation of the world, it was God's will that Christ take on a body to be that kind of true sacrifice for our sins. He would be the sacrifice that would take God's wrath for us. He would be the kind of sacrifice that that would pay for our sins. He would be the kind of sacrifice where he would give us his righteousness because ours was no good. And so, why was the sacrifice of Christ in the new covenant pleasing to God? Secondly, the sacrifice of Christ was pleasing because he was a sacrifice that could do God's will. I have to say, this is, this is the thing that struck me the greatest, when it comes to studying this passage. This whole idea of the old covenant sacrifices not being able to do God's will struck me when it says here, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the book. We've mentioned that God wasn't pleased with Old Testament sacrifices because they weren't willing and they weren't sufficient and they couldn't obey God's law on purpose. It was not their choice to obey God's law. They simply followed the lead of the person bringing it. The only sacrifice God could take pleasure in was the sacrifice of the God-man, Jesus Christ. God would have to take on human flesh to be a sacrifice able to represent us. He would, God would need a sacrifice that was without sin and obedient to the Father's will from His very conception. And that's what Jesus did. From the moment He was conceived, God taking on flesh kept the law of God always. And so he could be, or his obedience made him able to be the kind of sacrifice that was obedient. Do you see the juxtaposition? Animal did nothing to choose to obey God. God was pleased with the sacrifice of Christ because the moment he was conceived, he chose to obey God. And the wonder of him being willing to do all the law perfectly and rightly for us is amazing. He became a sacrifice willingly. He willingly took on a body. He was not duped from the foundation of the world he was not misled as to what he would be facing. He knew from eternity past exactly what he would be facing and he willingly took on a body that he might be our sacrifice. He willingly came to be that sacrifice. He willingly went to the cross to offer himself for his people. No one, I, I know the Romans led him to Golgotha, but no one made him go there. No one had a rope around his neck saying, you must die. And he's going, no, I won't do it. I won't do it. You can't make me. Every step was a step of obedience to his father. Every step was, I will do this for God and for my people. It was a willingness. No one drug him to the cross. I want you to keep your place here and turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We have talked about this verse often and it's a beautiful verse. Matthew 26 and verse 39. I'll give you a minute to get there because I want you to see it. Matthew 26 verse 39. I'm going to start in verse 38. He's speaking to the disciples. Then he said to them, "My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me." That meant pray for him. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me." What's the cup? It's our sin being placed upon him. It's the the suffering that's ahead. It's the cross. It's being persecuted and tortured and beaten for us. But even more, it's Him facing the Father, placing His wrath upon Him, and then turning His face from Him. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, But as you will but as you will. The beautifulness of a willing sacrifice. No goat struggled that way. No ox or bull struggled that way. So I don't want it. Only the God man, God taking on flesh, could go to the cross in this way. This is a scene of great beauty. Facing the most agonizing decision of obedience anyone in the world could ever even... We can't fathom the agony of making that decision. We can't fathom the agony of taking the next steps that he had to take. And yet Christ, our sacrifice, chose to obey. That's the kind of sacrifice God is pleased with. And our Savior was willing to do that. Even the most difficult situation there could ever be, to obey the Father in becoming a sacrifice. He chose to obey. No wonder God was pleased with his sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was pleasing. Not only because he was willing. How could we go on? But the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was pleasing because it was a sacrifice of the God-man. The real and sufficient sacrifice. Only the perfect man could be a sacrifice for man. Only God in flesh could. Could be sufficient, could be of sufficient worth to be a sacrifice for all of God's people. The sacrifice of Jesus was pleasing. Well, how do you know, you might ask? How do we know that Christ's sacrifice was pleasing and acceptable to to God? Well, the passage goes on. He's arguing his point. His points are laid out. And he says, we know that the sacrifice was cr- pleasing. I'm using my words here. We know that the sacrifice of Christ was pleasing because he sat down. And he has written already in this chapter, one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that happened to show that God was not pleased with the Old Testament sacrifices, with the Old Covenant sacrifices, was that the priests never could sit down. And they could never stop offering sacrifices. Because it never did what, it was, what, what we needed it to do. It did what God intended. It pointed to Christ, but it didn't do what we needed it to do. We know that God was pleased and Christ's sacrifice was acceptable because he sat down. Christ being seated shows that atonement is done. It never needs to be done again. I know many here were raised in the Catholic tradition where Christ is presented as a suffering sacrifice week upon week, sometimes day upon day. But that's not our sacrifice. That's not the sacrifice of the Bible. That's not the sacrifice that God is pleased with. God is pleased with the sacrifice of Jesus. So pleased that Jesus sat down. His work is done. It never needs to be done again. We know that the Christ's sacrifice was acceptable because He waits for His enemies to be made a foot, foot, footstool for His feet. Victory's won. He only waits while everything's going through the process of finishing. All His people are paid for. Just waiting for the process of time until that last one comes to know the Son by, by way of the work of the Son and the work of the Spirit. He's just waiting. And then all of his enemies will be made a footstool for his feet. Total, total victory. And so then the writer of the book of Hebrews goes from, how do you know that God was pleased with it, to what did Christ's willing sacrifice of himself do for us? What did it do for us? What are the benefits? The willing sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it says here, sanctified and perfected all, once, I'm sorry, perfected us once and for all. If you're his child, if you're trusting Christ, everything that God, uh, that Christ has done, uh, all our sin is paid for. My watch, just went off and told me it's 12, so I'll hurry and finish it, and it distracted me. The willing sacrifice of Jesus Christ sanctified and perfected us once for all. His work was, has made us holy in His sight. Though we stand perfect in His sight, He's working in our lives to make us more and more holy in the outward working of our lives right now. And then someday when we're in glory, we'll be perfect. It'll all be gone. All sin will be gone. He goes on also to say not only we're sanctified and perfected once for all, he says that the willing sacrifice of Christ Jesus brought us into a new covenant relationship with God. He's provided for us a righteousness that makes us acceptable and pleasing. This sacrifice that was pleasing to God brought us into a covenant relationship where not only does God look at us and say, you're okay, I don't see any sin. God looks at us and says, you're beautiful. You look like my son. You're as good as my son is. You have the, the, the righteousness that he has provided for you. In this covenant All the stipulations and requirements of God are met by God and fulfilled in the God-man. We're in this covenant. I'm going to use a big word here. We're in this covenant by a monergistic work of God. We're in this covenant because God worked by Himself alone to bring us into this covenant. He goes on to say, this covenant he's put us in, in that covenant, he puts his word in our hearts and gives us a desire to love God and keep his law. Now, while we're on earth, we'll struggle and we'll fail. But in this covenant that we're in, because Jesus was an acceptable and pleasing, the only acceptable and pleasing sacrifice, we're now people who want to love God. We want to do what his word says. And to read the last verse of the section that we're looking at. Wherefore, I'm sorry, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. And so that's kind of the nail in the coffin of his argument. You can't go back because there's no offering for sins in the Old Covenant. You can't look other places There's no offering for sin that's pleasing in God's sight in any other place. Where there is forgiveness of sins and our lawless deeds are no more, where there is forgiveness of these, there is therefore, I'm I'm sorry, there is no longer any offering for sin. It's done. And so... Application? How great a God do we have? That He required and is only pleased with what He provided. Yea, but He didn't have to provide. We have a God who required and by grace provided what we needed the only acceptable sacrifice. He took no pleasure in the blood of bulls and goats, but was so gracious so as to provide righteousness and payment for sin by means of the body and blood of His own Son. The perfect sacrifice, the one who obeyed God's law, who was both sufficient and effective forever, and who willingly obey God to death on the cross to pay for our sins. If you're here today and you're not trusting in the one that has done this work, the one who is the only pleasing sacrifice, I remind you, trusting anything else is not an acceptable sacrifice in God's sight. And the result of not trusting the only appropriate sacrifice is to pay for your sin yourself by death and hell for all eternity. The writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to get these people, don't go back. My pleading with you this morning is don't turn anywhere else. It's only Christ's work. Trust him today. Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe at the wonder of what you've done and what you've provided. Give us lips to the best of our ability to speak your praise. Father, I pray that you would help us to be thankful. Help us to worship. I pray that you would make us into the image of Christ. And if there's one here who doesn't know you, who's not trusting the only acceptable sacrifice, I pray that today would be the day that person chooses to repent of trusting anything, even Old Testament sacrifices that had been instituted by God. Bring them from trusting anything except Christ to trusting Christ, the acceptable sacrifice, we pray in Jesus' name.